It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Today is just another day for most of us, but yesterday. Millions of exceptionally brilliant people decided that they were going to do something this day that would change their lives for the better, and potentially the lives of hundreds more. Some even awoke with an unheard of determination, focus, and vision ready to leap forward and make that big change in their lives. In reality, most awoke pretty much the same as most of us with today's office grind, classwork, task, checklist, calendar, and chores of the day as their primary concerns. Sadly, some forgot yesterday's decision when they awoke, and others were just too afraid to try, and some just too stubborn to change, and many who forgot that tomorrow is not promised did not make it to see the sunrise today. I can't emphasize this enough. There is no time like the present. Whatever you want for your tomorrow, the effort has to start today. Better yet, right now. God has embedded in us a will and life purpose. You may succeed at any number of things, but this is one thing that is assured to be much bigger than ourselves. It is our opportunity to accomplish the amazing, touch the lives of a multitude, and leave this world we live in in a better place due to our efforts. Yeah, but first we have to take action. Take bold steps to crush our fear with confidence, destroy our insecurity with intense determination, and implement a decisive plan that will turn obstacles into minor adjustments and defeats into monuments of the mistakes that we will never make again. All because of the wisdom we obtained that special day. You know what? There is no stopping people who truly care about the lives of others. I would dare say that they are invincible because nothing can destroy the human spirit. Why is it that I feature nonprofits, charities, grassroots organizations, and just people who care on my show so often? It's not because they are awesome and a rare breed of individuals, it's because they selflessly do the work that matters because others won't, and because it's the right thing to do. How huge is that? But they do need your help. They first need you to be informed and aware, and I think I've taken care of that. Next, they need you to take action, become a part of the solution. Or is today just another day? You already did something great today. You woke up this morning. The question is, who will you be today? And will that person be a force to help make our world a better place to live in? What you do with your 24 hours will define you. Just remember, you hold the pen and it's up to you to write your story. And just be glad that your past cannot bind your today. 
You are not your past mistakes, if that's not what you want to be. You can't change your past, but you can change your attitude towards your past. And no matter what others may say about you, you are the only one who knows without a shadow of a doubt who you are meant to be. And where it pertains to your story, the only one who possesses a measure of truth. Welcome, truth seekers. You're listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com, and I'm your host, Michael Fordham. Look, if you've just clicked the link on my webpage or you're listening on blogtalkradio.com or even the Blog Talk Radio player on my Facebook page, no call-ins tonight. Sorry, we are doing a live remote, so we won't be answering the lines, but uh, we'll catch you next time around. But if you like, you can tweet me your questions and comments at A Measure of Truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio, and you can always email me your questions and comments at a measure of truth at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow, like, and repost us on Facebook and Twitter. Look, we've got a great show for you today with Malcolm McCoy, who has an amazing story. Tonight, I just want to showcase the story and aspirations and dreams of a young man who has a very, very positive outlook on life. Malcolm McCoy, next up on A Measure of Truth. Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to another Man on the Street edition of A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. And I'm your host, Michael Fordham. We're here um, on the scene with an interview with uh, a young man that has a very, very interesting goal on life. Um, and um, I, I love stories like this where you, you sort of peek into someone who shows signs of greatness but get to hear the story before the event actually takes place. And I sort of treasure these types of interviews and stories. Malcolm McCoy is just a young man who I believe is a very, very promising young man and will do a lot of good and has already a history of doing good in the world. Malcolm McCoy, welcome to A Measure of Truth. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for taking time out during your day to um, come and chat with me. You know, um, you have a very, very interesting um, life story that's already begun. And um, it's very interesting because it has a lot of the elements that one would find in someone who's far older, more accomplished, and has a lot more life experience. And just tell us a little bit about you and your aspirations. And one of the things that actually caught my attention about your career goals and, and what you would like to aspire to be. Yes, sir. Um, so I would really like to become a chaplain in the United States military so that I can serve um, my country and I can also serve uh, the men and women of faith and men and women who aren't of faith. My goal has always been to um, help people get closer to their relationship with God and I found that through uh, my relationship with Him and that didn't really escalate much until high school and going into college. Okay, so tell us a little bit about, you know, wanting to be a chaplain is something that I've never heard from any other young person that I've spoken with about their goals, dreams, and aspirations. Where did that idea come from for you? 
perhaps I would say it came from a, after I finished the 11th grade and it was summertime and had thought about the school year and I thought about, you know, how I was kind of treated. I wasn't necessarily the most popular kid and I felt like, you know, I really wasn't loved. And so I remember I turned on the TV one day and Joyce Meyer uh, was on and she said that Jesus loves you. And that was the first thing she said and I just kept it on there. But she said that he has a great plan for your life. But in order for you to walk in that promise, there's some things you have to do. And then she talked about how we make our life uh, practical by oh, making the Bible practical to our lives through uh, its biblical principles. And for that entire summer, I was listening to her. And then I would listen to her every day before I go to school and after school. And I would listen to uh, other televangelists and other uh, preachers who I really felt had a strong connection with uh, their faith. And they were able to teach me a lot of things through their programs. And it wasn't long before I went to college and, you know, I made a lot of friends and I found a Bible study group that I was a part of and the person who was leading it was about to graduate. And so I told her that, you know, I felt like um, I could lead Bible study and so she gave me a few opportunities to lead it. And, you know, being able to tell people that church is not some type of, you know, good luck or bad luck charm, because we had some people that believe that, that church was like, you know, if you go there, then you have good luck. If you don't go there, then you'll have bad luck for the rest of the week. <laughs> they had a lot of misconceptions about mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. our true relationship was with Christ. And just being able to tell them about who Christ was and, you know, practical things that we can do in our everyday lives that comes from the Bible to make our lives a whole lot better. Um, you know, that really, you could see the light bulb go off in people, and I felt that that was the point where, you know, God was calling me to do this. Right. Wow, that's awesome. And um, I, I heard some stories, too, about some other th- philanthropic things that you did while you were actually in um, <laughs> college as well. Uh, I'm sure that got a lot of attention from your peers. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, yeah, sir. So, so I started this club called Swoop. It stood for Students Who Operate on Plastic. And so I went to school um, in New York. It was a school called Hofstra University. And I had a friend who, um, long story short, uh, needed some money for something. And I didn't tell him that I was doing this, but I started collecting and recycling cans and bottles so that I can raise money and then I can give that to him. I never caught up to the goal, but um, I started talking to one of my counselors and I told her that I love collecting and recycling these bottles and coins or cans for coins and um, stuff, but I told her I didn't have a purpose to give it to. Mm. And then she looked at me, she said, Malcolm, you know, there's a lot of students who come up to me at the very end of the semester and they tell me that they don't have any mill points. And she said that if you were able to use that money in order to purchase meal vouchers or, to, you know, to give to them so that they would be able to uh, eat, especially towards the end of the semester, then, you know, you could find a really good uh, purpose for that money. And so I spent an entire uh, summer just planning on how I wanted to do this club. And I called a lot of my closest friends and I asked them, hey, would you like to lead this group with me? This was a uh, idea that I really feel that, you know, is really important. And, you know, even going back to what I believe, I uh, wake up every single day and I ask God, you know, what can I do for somebody else? And I think this was like the perfect answer that he even gave me. And so when I was able to make this a club and we started collecting, you know, it was a lot of hard work that went into it, but the payoff was amazing. Eventually, we were able to help kids who needed community service hours, Mm. uh, you know, collect bottles and cans so that they can do it uh, it's an easy way for them to, you know, earn those uh, community service hours. And that money that we were using was going to help other students. So it was a, you know, win-win situation. And 
I'm talking to uh, people at Hofstra University to make sure that it's still going on even though I'm not there. Wow, that's great. So this was established and is thriving and growing even after the fact. And um, how long have you been detached from that? Um, um, so I just graduated back in May. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much till May. But, you know, mm-hmm. I still had some friends and people that I knew who needed uh, community service hours. Right. You know, they call me, they text me every once in a while. They say, Malcolm, you know who's going to be, you know, doing this or who's going to be doing that. And I said, you know, I'm still trying to, you know, make sure that, Mm. you know, everything's still in place. But a lot of them are still wanting to do that. Wow. So we'll have to add some hashtags to this show, you know, for your organization. It's called Swoop. Right. And um, what we'll do is we'll we'll put a shout out and your contact information as well so that if someone is out there that hears the show that is attending this college and would like to continue this program, that they can um, contact you. And uh, I'm sure there are other people, but they may not know about what's going on, especially for the new year. That's great. Fantastic. Now, um, here's the other thing. Now, I I understand it's kind of clear to me about you going into ministry. But um, so where does the chaplain piece fit in? Do you know anyone who is a chaplain or has had that in their career path? Well, my great grandfather, he was a uh, bishop Mm. and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I would go to his church every once in a while. But my dad would often tell me that, you know, my grandparents and even my mom's side, too. My grandparents were always praying over their descendants. Mm. And, um, you know. When I was born, my dad said that my grandfather, my great-grandfather, saw something in me. And um, my dad, he tells me a lot that, you know, I remind him of uh, his great or his grandfather, my great-grandfather, because, um, you know, the word is just something that I really need in my life. I kind of feel like, you know, if it wasn't for the word of God, I really wouldn't be here right now. Mm. You know, and that is just, you know, how I was treated when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily, you know, by the people who love me, but by, you know, just everyday people, you know. When Mm -hmm. you get out into the world, you can really feel like, you know, the devil is just, you know, everywhere that, you know, you have enemies here, Mm -hmm. you have Mm -hmm. enemies there. But when you take time to just spend with God, he'll show you that, you know, there's love. His love is everywhere. You know, you may not get it. You know, sometimes they don't always have the right thing to say. But if you know who you are in Christ, then that's all that you really need. Mm. And so that's what I uh, focus on. But, Mm -hmm. um, yes, sir, my great-grandfather, he was a a man of faith. Uh, My grandmother, she was my role model, although she wasn't, you know, a bishop or a pastor or anything. Um, Reverend Yolanda Blizzard from Mount Zion Baptist Church, he said that sometimes the only Jesus that people will ever get to see in their lives is the Jesus that they see in you. And Mm -hmm. my grandmother was that for me. So Mm -hmm. I always wanted to be like her because, I mean, she just, everything about her, she was just, you know, on fire for the Holy Ghost. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, she treated me with such love and I always wanted to treat other people that way. So you found a stronghold in Christ, and it helped you get through a a lot of the things in your life, even though you're you're still a very young man and uh, have a lot more to experience in life. Um, There was a major event in your life, too, that I guess would um, sort of encapsulate um, this epiphany for you and um, really, I guess, maybe got you closer to God than you had ever been before. Yes, and, and this is, um, in 2005, you were in a major car accident. Yes, Tell sir. us a little bit about that and how it impacted you. Yes, sir. So it was August 21st, 2005. We were driving northbound on I-295, and a car had hit us from behind, and our truck had swerved out of control. And um, the our truck had flipped f- um, like two or three times in the air. Mm. And um, I was up in my seat. I still had my seatbelt around me, but, like, you know, I was really scared. And so I was, my legs were up in the seat. 
and I was just like holding my body really tight and the thrust from the tr- um, truck had um, launched me out of my window hmm. and so I landed right in front of the truck and I remember uh I just remember feeling like my spirit, my soul, it was starting to lift out of my body. And I can Okay, wait a second. So So the vehicle was moving how fast? Um, we had to have been going like sixty miles an hour. The traffic was bumper to bumper, but it was still sort of like, you know, we could still go you know okay. that speed and people were trying to go in and out of lanes. So when the truck flipped, it yes, flipped sir. sideways and rolled towards you? Um it so we swerved out of control mm-hmm. and then when we went over it was like you know like the median yeah yeah so, so when when we like hit the grass it was like a rail i think that we hit mm-hmm. um, we flipped over that rail wow and um the truck had landed uh really close to the trees but by the time the truck had landed um you know i was already ejected out of the uh car or out of the truck mm-hmm. and i landed right in front of the uh truck and i just remember i i felt you know my spirit my soul and it just started you know rising upwards mm. and i really felt like you know I kind of knew what it was, but, you know, at the same time, you know, I didn't really want to leave this world. Mm. And so I remember I just kept fighting and holding on for dear life. And I think I, um, you know, was woken up and I think the paramedic or whatever his name was, there was a paramedic. His name was uh, David. Mm-hmm. He had uh, performed CPR on me and I had woke up and, you know, I just remember, you know, looking at the truck and I remember, you know, it was just in. It was shattered, you know, there was glass all over the place, and, you know, the vehicle was just totally, just, it was destroyed. My great-grandfather was in the car. My sister, she walked away with stitches in her arm, and, you know, my mom, she uh, was, they were all still in the car. I was the only one who had, um, you know, Mm -hmm. been thrown out the vehicle. Mm -hmm. But, you know, all four of us, we made it out that day alive. Right. And Uh, and what were your injuries from being ejected from the vehicle? So I had... um, I had a scar, I think, on the top of my head. Um, it's been healed. Mm-hmm. I was bleeding from the top of my head. I think I had um, a broken rib. Mm-hmm. Um, probably uh, something to do with my uh, kidney. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm all mm-hmm. healed from it now. But I just mm-hmm. remember, you know, I was bruised from it. Um, my neck, I couldn't hold it straight. My neck was tilted, you know, to the right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had, I'd been holding my head, you know, to the right for you know a long time but then you know finally i was able to you know get my neck and you know everything straightened and lined up Mm -hmm. and um you know it took years for me to like fully recover but since that event you know i never took life for granted yeah you know god was with us that day Mm -hmm. which which window did you um get ejected from yes sir so i was sitting in the back um right Mm -hmm. um side of the vehicle Mm -hmm. and um yes sir i was up in my seat like i said and I probably, I mean, being up in my seat like that, like I was literally hugging my knees. Right. You know, I was kind of like, you know, pushing myself out of the seatbelt, and that was probably the reason why Mm. I was ejected Mm -hmm. from the uh, truck. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, when we flipped over, my body just, you know, just bust right through the window. I see. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. And how old were you when this took place? I was nine years old. I was getting ready to turn 10. And, um, yeah, so I was in the hospital for three days. Mm-hmm. And um, my dad, he was overseas at the time. He came o- over and, um, you know, he took care of the family. Mm-hmm. helped take care of the family, you know, while we were all, you know, sort of in our injuries. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Wow, wow. That's an amazing story. Um, and one of the other things, too, um, you talk about when you found your calling. And um, it's interesting to me 
Our, our, our pastor, Dr. Leonard N. Smith, is very adamant about people claiming that someone is going to be a pastor because it really is a calling. It is something that um, I don't believe you just aspire to be um, if you want to be a successful pastor anyway. You can go through the motions, you can have yeah. the position, the title, and you can do the things. But um, when you're called to do this kind of work, which is uh, an extreme task, you take it on as a lifetime um, ambition. So um, that seems to be an amazing commitment for someone of your age. And, and let's just talk about your calling and what led you to um, want to go into ministry. Yes, sir. I'm mm -hmm. aspiring to get my um, degree. So I'm going to uh, grad school now so that I can um, get my Master in Divinity. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, I um, was leading Bible study and... It really started because I told you, you know, I was really into, uh, Joyce Meyer was one of the, you know, the people I was really, you know, into listening. Mm -hmm. And so um, I have the Joyce Meyer library. Mm -hmm. And so I would, you know, read her books, but I would also, you know, go back to the Bible. And I would um, also try to study it because, you know, you can always get the word from somebody else. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, you always have to go back to the word just to, you know, get it for yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I was always learning something new in the word. And I had such great ministers um, here at uh, Mount Zion Baptist Church. You know, whenever I had a question about something, mm -hmm. they would answer it. And, you know, I'd be amazed by, you know, something that I had just learned. And, then, you know, I would try to apply that to my life. And it just got so to the point where I was receiving, I was receiving, I was receiving, and I was ready to let it out. Mm -hmm. And when I started letting it out, you know, the people that were coming um, to the Bible study, you know, they were really getting a lot out of it. You know, it was something that they looked forward to every single uh, day of the week. Um, I only led Bible study one day a week, but, it, you know, it was just something that, you know, always stayed. And, you know, we, we always had the same people that would come. And every once in a while, we would always have somebody new come. And, you know, it was just being able to minister and, you know, not only just to minister to people, but also have, you know, the same people that come minister back to you because, you know, it's a two-way streak. You know, whenever you're in the Word, you know, you're not only just getting or giving stuff out, getting stuff out of it, you're also giving. And so mm -hmm. um, just being around uh, other believers, fellowshipping, um, you know, that's what really kept me strong throughout college, um, just being able to... Put Christ first in my life because there's just a lot of wisdom that comes from his word and if you don't you know use it or apply it then you're just going to fall into uh, the trap that the world sets for you here and there and you know thank God that I wasn't able sorry that I wasn't you know one of those people that was out you know partying you know not really you know taking you know my life seriously because you know I think that ultimately I would have been a different person now I I don't you know condemn people you know who you know were out partying and all of that stuff you know, I think that, you know, sometimes that's just a part of life. You know, sometimes you have to get to, you know, a point in your life where, you know, you get tired of, you know, living the same old, same old, where you got to come back to Christ. you got to come to the Word, and you just got to get that fresh anointing that just comes with um, just knowing Him and being in a relationship with Him. Mm -hmm. Wow, wow. It, it's very interesting. I'm sure your parents are very proud of you, and um, this is, you know, probably comes to no surprise even after that event that took place and um, knowing that you s somehow have a second lease on life. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing even before this incident that you think may have shaped who you are today. Um, a little bit about, you know, your family background and all that. Yes, sir, definitely. So um, I was talking about my grandmother earlier. Mm -hmm. um, I 
told you that, you know, I really felt like I saw Jesus through her. Um, she was the type of person that, you know, had a lot of, she was just dealt, you know, so much in life. Mm -hmm. But she was that one person you would never see complain. She was that one person that just always wanted, you know, something. She always wanted to make other people, you know, happy. She never really wanted to, you know, for things to be about herself. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of the things she did, she didn't even have to do it. But, you know, she just always wanted to make sure that, you know, she was just, you know, putting a smile on God's face. Mm -hmm. And that was just her character. That was her attitude. You know, I talked to some of my other family members, you know, about her every now and then because she was young when she passed. Well, I was young when she passed away. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they said that, you know, her character was, you know, if she couldn't hurt, if she couldn't help you, she definitely wouldn't want to hurt you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just learning so much about her and you know just learning that you know she was the she was just this woman of god you know she just you ever be around a believer and you can there's just something that's just so different about them that you yes. just want that right you know right. she was that for me and so mm -hmm. you know i was raised with that you know of course i had very strict parents my dad was in the uh, army mm -hmm. he served for almost 30 years mm. and um so it was always no sir yes sir and there was right. always that military you know training right. so that was part of it my mom mm -hmm. she was also a very strict disciplinarian mm -hmm. um it was always yes sir no sir yes ma'am no ma'am so you had an opportunity to um I guess, travel around the world and have yes, some sir. other experiences. Tell us a little bit about that, um, some of the places you've lived and how that may have shaped your life as well. Yes, sir. So um, I was born in Colorado, and mm -hmm. we went back out there when I was in middle school. And, um, you know, I think that, especially in our time at our time and age, you know, people, they're really skeptical about people who don't look like them. And, you know, when you're around people who look like you, you know, Sometimes you hear, you know, things about, you know, other people that may or may not be true. Mm -hmm. But when you really get to experience, you know, other people for yourself, you know, that's a very different, um, it's a very different experience. You know, for me, I was the only black kid in a lot of my classes. Mm -hmm. And for, I mean, even when I came back to Virginia and I took, you know, honors classes and all of that stuff. And I used to feel really insecure because I didn't look like anybody else. Uh... You know, there's just some things that, you know, were just kind of like different from my upbringing than, you know, the upbringing of somebody who comes from like a different background. Mm -hmm. And um, it took a minute, you know, for me to kind of, you know, just not really too much focus on that. But, you know, when I was able to, uh, you know, just see uh, people I, how I believe God sees everybody, you know, I can, you know, be in a room and I can be the only black person in there and I can, you know, just feel right at home because I just know who I am. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not so caught up you know and what i look like on the outside i'm really caught up on you know who we are on the inside and so you know i mm -hmm. always you know i always realize that you know if you're nice to people 90 percent of the time you know people will be nice back to you and so you know that's all that i've um really aspired to do and so um you know i'm able to make friends um you know in places where you probably would never ever you know expect um if you looked at my friend group in college you know i had friends you know who were you know in group A, group B, you know, I can't really even explain it because, you know, it's just so many different, you know, people. I really shouldn't say friends, more acquaintances here and there. Sure. But, you know, the funny thing is, is that if you were to ever put us all in a room together, mm -hmm. everybody probably wouldn't be able to get along. Sure. And so I think that says a lot about your character when you're able to get along with a lot of people mm -hmm. of different backgrounds, diff and not just, you know, what they look like on the outside, but what they believe on the inside. Mm -hmm. And, you know their hobbies there's you know things like that i think that says a lot about you as a person and i think that you know when we try to minister the, to other people we need to have those type of uh you know 
we, we need to be able, I think Paul says it too, he says that we should be able to uh, kind of conform to the ways of others, but that doesn't mean that we necessarily, you know, do things that we know that's morally wrong, but more so like if you know a person is really into video gaming, you know, maybe you can just try to, you know, get into that, you know, that, I guess that world or that scenery and you know just kind of like what they like but then also you know if you know somebody else who's more so of a this person or a that person and I know I'm being very bland here but you know if you're able to you know just get along with a lot of people then that's a lot of people that you're able to you know help yeah and, and what you're saying is just you know you need to be relatable yes they're relatable yeah and and that's seeing something different in someone and being um, someone who's curious about it and inquisitive and asking the right questions as opposed to being critical you know and in that way you can engage someone because of interest as opposed to making someone stand offish yeah. by them feeling like you're so different that you're strange or weird yeah. being a military brat you know what's cool in one place is probably not cool in the next place yeah yeah and so you know you you're gonna have to be able to adapt and i think that's what i meant you know mm -hmm. just to be able to adapt to different circumstances mm -hmm. i think that was the hardest lesson i've ever learned in my or lessons i've ever learned in my life right but you know when i was able to adapt to you know in different situations i think life became much easier okay yes. and where else have you lived all right so we moved to germany mm -hmm. um from there and then um from i was really young we moved from Germany when I was three. We moved back to Texas, and um, I've also lived in Georgia. Mm -hmm. Lived here, and I've lived in New York for a while. Mm -hmm. and, you know, even when you live in the same country, you know, Texas is super different from, you know, New York. Right. Super right. different from Georgia, super different from Colorado. Mm -hmm. You know, even when you're in those places, you know, people have, you know, certain type of perceptions of people that come from this place or that place. Right. And, you know, I think that one thing that I've been blessed with in life is being able to be that person that doesn't fit everybody's stereotypes, but, you know, be that one person that makes other people go, well, you know, I've judged people like this, you know, too harshly. Maybe, you know, I can take a step back mm -hmm. and say that, you know, not all people are like this. You know, I can... People have been able to, you know, look at me and they would say, you know, hey, you're not like, you know what I see, you know, in the news where, you know, sometimes you would see, you know, right. people that look like us, you know, always talk about, you know, we're getting arrested, you know, we're, you know, really, really aggressive people, you know, something like that. You know, I always like to, you know, keep an open mind with other people. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, <laughs> when people look at you and they say, you know, you're very different, you're much nicer than what I would have ever thought you were. I don't take offense to that because, mm -hmm. you know people they only know what you know what's put in front of them but right. if you're that what one person that's you know mm. able to show them that hey not everybody's like that and then you really open the world to other people one of the things i i, I used to hear that quite a bit too I and mean, one of the things i would always say to people is um they would say um you're not like most and i would say really because most of the people <laughs> i know that are yeah. like me are, yes, are, are, are like yeah. me yeah. So it kind of just helps them to understand that no, no, you you got the misinformation. This isn't yes. something that's a rare occurrence. Yes, this is sir. the norm, but apparently your perception is off yes, as opposed to, you know, just them thinking that I'm um, a, a different breed or yes, at a different level. And when you try to, you know, gauge someone and make them seem better than what they assume the norm is, that's racism in itself. Yes. You know, it really is. It's, um, so it's interesting, though, the way people, um, as soon as they see something different, how they approach it, you really start to see um, what they're understanding, their ignorance, as well as... Uh, 
I hate to say it sometimes, just what their beliefs are. And it it always comes down to um, whether or not someone feels that they are better than you. Yeah. But anyway, uh, (laughs) I just wanted to just touch on that because I know exactly what you're talking about in that situation. But... um, so you're, you're on your way to Liberty University. So yes, tell sir. us a little bit about Liberty because that is a, um, a college where a lot of um, big names have come out of in religion. And um, just give us a little background on that. Yes, sir. So um, I've only been out to Liberty once, and that mm. was just to check out the school. And I decided from you know that that I really didn't like uh, what I saw. And um, while I was on campus, and I know a lot of people probably think other things, but I really felt like I was, um, I really felt the presence of the Holy Spirit there. You know, I would see Mm -hmm. a scripture here or there or two, and I would just, you know, on the wall, you know, I saw where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And, you know, that scripture is so true, especially in my life, Mm -hmm. just because every time that, you know, I'm spending every moment that I get to spend with Jesus just when I'm like doing my devotionals or, you know, even when I'm just out and about, you know, during the day and I'm just praying to him, you know, just simple conversation. You know, that's the time I feel freest. And I just remember, you know, just taking that in and just taking in that environment. I said, you know, I really like this place. But, um, you know, I've always uh, people they've told me, you know, always, you know, have a backup plan just in case, you know, something doesn't work out, you know, here or there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I um, do have that. But, you know, that was the reason why I chose that school. Mm-hmm. And also, um, I, I feel like, you know, as far as uh, being surrounded by other believers, you know, that school, you know, there, there's a lot of, you know, big names, like you said, that comes out of there. But there's also uh, my cousin, he went there, some strong uh, people of faith that's also at that school. And I know a couple myself. Sure, that's good. And so that's what really um, pushed me to go to that school. All right. Now, tell us a little bit about your aspirations to become a military chaplain, because I think we sort of sewed that together now, um, your, your strong belief. And um, your your father was in the military as well, yes. and um, but still, I've never spoke to any young person who had an aspiration to become a chaplain. So tell us about what you hope to accomplish in this um, life for yourself. Yes, sir. So well, whenever I serve God, I never really see it, you know, as something I'm serving myself. You know, the only thing that I really want is all of my needs met mm-hmm. you know as long as you know all of my needs are met you know i may have you know a couple of ones here or there mm-hmm. like you know a prayer for somebody you know who's like going through you know something you know that's mm-hmm. something that i i, I want to see you know others around me prosper but i really see that you know as long as i'm doing something for somebody else you know that's what makes me really happy mm-hmm. and i felt even you know, there's biblical principles that back that up. You know, when we stop focusing on ourselves, and that doesn't mean that we don't take care of ourselves like we should, but when we stop focusing on ourselves and, you know, looking to see how we can impact other people or just, you know, doing something super small, like even if it's just a compliment or, you know, buying something really nice for somebody, you know, out of, you know, out of, you know, what's in your heart because, you know, God puts all of that inside of our hearts. You know, I feel like that does a lot for God's kingdom. And I just want to add, you know, to... You know, I just want to be an ambassador for Christ. You know, my Mm -hmm. grandmother, like I said, she was that for me. Um, You know, she would pick me up. She would take me to Harris Teeter, and she would tell me, you know, anything you want in the store, you know, you get it yourself. And she said, well, she didn't say get it yourself. She said that anything you want in the store, you know, put it in the buggy, and I'm going to pay for it. 
and you know that was just you know who she was and she um would even like you know take stuff off the shelf and she would put it in the buggy she was like and don't be shy and so you know that was the type of person that she was for me she was you know always in the car and whenever I had a question about life and you know as a kindergartner you know kindergartners we talk a lot and I, at least I did she would always be patient she would always listen to me she would always answer and you know that was the type of person that she was and I just feel like you know if I'm able to do that for somebody else then in a way I'm doing uh, I'm doing something I'm doing justice for you know her memory but I'm also doing justice for uh, what God has told me you know God has always you know brought me up I mean, whatever I've went through in life, you know, God, he's always brought me out of it. I can't say that, you know, I've been trapped in something that, you know, I haven't been, I haven't came out of because, you know, the Holy Spirit was there guiding me the entire way. I want to be able to help other people get out of the traps, that, you know, the things that bond them to, you know, sin, the mm-hmm. things that bond them to, you know, just misery and all that stuff. I want to help, you know, people, you know, come to a level where, you know, I was at, you know, my grandmother was at, you know, because that life is achievable. Not too many people know that. And, you know, of course, you know, I'm not this big holy holy roller, you know. A lot of people think that, you know, whenever you want to become a chaplain or something like that, that we're all holy rollers. A lot of people who are, you know, of faith, um, and I'm not saying this is about everybody, but a lot of people who, um, you know, answer that call, they're just like you or I, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. The only difference is that, you know, they were called, but, you know, they also... Um, accepted that call into life sure yeah and it is something that you have to act on and um you know and you have to prepare yourself for it and you have to let that be the focus of your life from that point forward um you have to show that this is and it should represent in your life too if you feel that you're called to ministry and um i think that your life should be aligned in that and and that's one of the things i see in you Interestingly enough, um, not only after I had spoke with you and, and uh, told you I wanted to do this interview, even people at church who just saw me talking to you, everyone wanted to come up to me and tell me what a great guy you are, this guy Malcolm McCoy, and they just talked about you and raved about you. Been a member of this church for some time, and um, they only had good things to say about you and um, just thought you were brilliant, and even when... Um, we stood up for the event we had for education emphasis and um you know you talked about all of your accomplishments or the things that were in your bio and uh, the things that you had done in college it's like so many people already knew and so many people were applauding you so i i just think that um you know i've heard lots of stories of people who were able to do great things and um the stories well what I hear in your story are all these seeds of greatness, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing what actually will come of your life and the things that you will accomplish and how you'll let God work through you. And um, it's just amazing to have such a focus on your life at such a young age, at a time where most young people are out there making the mistakes that they will be in recovery from for the rest of their life that you're out there um already focused bypassing a section of your life and and getting right into something that is service service to god and service to the kingdom i will say you know my mother and i thought you know she was kind of mean for doing this but um when i was uh growing up you know there was a lot of things and i guess because the world was so different from how she was when she was raised you know I wasn't allowed to, you know, leave the house until she came home. Mm. Um, you know, there was a curfew. There was like a seven eight or seven p.m. curfew. I'm like, mom, that's too, you know, that's too early. And then, mm. you know, I wasn't allowed to, you know, take the car, you know, even down the street and all of that stuff. You know, I was pretty much, you know, 
at home most of the time and you know I kind of felt like I was lonely but that was the times that I was able to observe a lot of the people around me, my classmates, my peers, you know, even people within my neighborhood. And I observed, observed the things that they did that I wanted to do, but then I saw where it got them. And yes. <laughs> Consequences. I was like, wow, you know, that could have been me had, mm-hmm. you know, I not been locked up, you know, inside right, of it. Right. But, you know, that's how I was. And so I had that wisdom. You know, I thank my mom for that. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. thank her back then, but, yeah. you know, I thank her now because, um, you know, when you're when you're that person, I guess I kind of just, you know, see stuff, you know, when you're put in that position, I think it's much better to be put in that position than to be the person that actually goes through that stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was also something that allowed me to avoid uh, some of the things that most people my age do. Like I wasn't allowed to have social media, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't allowed to just, it was very strict. And so, um, you know, I do owe her a lot for uh, the way that she raised us. Yeah, and, and it's good that you appreciate those things and you're yes, able, sir. at still such a young age, <laughs> to be able to say that, you know, your upbringing um, had uh, a lot of benefits that you can see um, and um, that you're happy to have not had to go through some of the things that your peers have gone through. Yeah, so... Um, so just tell us a little bit about... Um, I think we really understand your, your your philosophy on life and how you feel that you should treat people. And um, generally, you're, I believe when you're called to ministry, you're called to a message, too. And is yes, your message sir. just to reach out? But just try to encapsulate that. And I think that would be a great way to end the interview, to um, just talk about what you feel that you're um, called to do. Yes, sir. So from the times that I have ministered to others, I really felt like my call was just to strengthen the relationship that um, people who already believe in him, um, you know, just to strengthen that relationship between them and God. Hopefully, you know, I'll be able to learn some things between now because I'm still very young. I haven't experienced life, you know, like, you know, somebody your age or, um, you know, somebody who, you know, is much more experienced than I am. But I hope that, um, you know, I will be able to experience more in life and I'll be able to reach out to other people who, um, you know, may not have had the same experience that I've had, but, you know, because of some of the trials that I went through, and I've been through some trials, but, you know, not like, you know, everybody else, um, because of those trials that maybe I'll go through, I'll be able to, you know, be relatable to more people. Mm-hmm. And um, I can reach out to people who aren't necessarily saved or who aren't necessarily believers. And I can just, you know, help them um, get into a relationship with uh, Christ. But, you know, ultimately, that's always their decision. You know, you can't force people into a relationship with them. You know, the way that you act is uh, really key to, you know, other people uh, seeing Christ. Like I yes. said, sometimes mm-hmm. the people, sometimes the only Jesus that people will ever see is the Jesus that they see in you. Mm-hmm. So that's where I am right now in my life. And Malcolm, um, we sort of um, smoothed over this. We talked around it a couple of times, but we never really said, how old are you? I am uh, 22 years old. I'll be turning 23 uh, next month, oh. September. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Awesome. Well, um Happy birthday coming up. Thank you. (laughs) And um, if we don't see you again before then, but um, I really want to thank you um, for taking time out. Oh, thank um, you. 
appreciate you um, coming here and um, us being able to take care of this interview this way. And hopefully next time we talk with you, it, it will be um, when you're in college and, and doing what you do by yes. telephone. But I'd love to have you back on again because um, this is not just a, a, a story that you can just leave at this point. Yes, you know, sir. so um, I just appreciate that. I appreciate who you are, your commitment to Christ and the ministry and to God's kingdom. And um, we just want to, um, you know, look for great things from you. But we also want to pray and support you as well. We want to pray for you and make sure that you have the encouragement and you've already got the tools. But um, if there's ever anything that you need, um, you know, feel free to get back to me and let me know what you think might Definitely. help you on this road. Thank you so much. Yeah, all right. Well, thank you. Yes, well, um, I'm Michael Fordman. You've been listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. Special thanks to our producer, Donna Hardiman. But before you go, here's a little something to take with you. Ask God for wisdom daily, but know that your lesson can come from anybody or any situation, good or bad, friend or foe. Watch your thoughts. They become words. And watch your words. They become actions. And watch your actions. They become habits. And watch your habits. They become your character. And watch your character. It becomes your destiny. Until we meet again, take care of what becomes of you. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.